welcome to the season seven season finale. Today on the show, we have Anna Klutz here to discuss her memoir, My Own Magic, a reappearing act, which is out May 16th. Anna was married to a magician, and along with her personal life obviously being tied to him, her professional life was tied to him as well. In one fell swoop, when their marriage ended, she lost her husband, her job, and her home. This memoir is her story of rebuilding from the ashes, and I'm happy to tell you that she is living in Paris now, thriving, and building her own magic, as the title implies. This is her story of her journey to rediscover the magic that was always inside of her. And magic is a thematic element throughout the book, even dedicated to anyone who has ever felt invisible and needs to find their own magic. This book shows that no matter where you're at in your life, rebuilding a brand new life is always possible. Let me tell you a little about Anna. She is a New York Times bestselling author whose writing candidly reflects on her travels, relationships, failures, and fantasies, and it may inspire you to move to Paris like she did. Not a hard sell for me, personally. Anna can usually be found writing and sipping champagne on a cafe terrace, rain or shine, and she is always on the hunt for a warm baguette, a cheap flight, a vintage dress, or a beautiful moment to snap a shot of. My kind of girl. She is currently working on adapting Live Your Life, the memoir she wrote with her sister Amanda Klutz, into a screenplay. I can't wait for you to listen to our conversation. Anna, thank you so much for being here today. It's an honor to have you with me. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Of course. Well, you're all the way in Paris in your beautiful home. And how does today find you? I don't normally ask my guests that, but I just want to know how today's finding you. It's honestly finding me so well. I just saw my hardcover for the first time. Um, nice. Up, totally cried. I've only seen the advanced reader copy. So I, uh, it's very overwhelming and, and uh, truly feels uh, magical. Yeah. Well, no pun intended. Right. But writing a memoir, writing a memoir like this is such a half. It has to be. I've never done it. Excuse me. I've never done it, but it has to be such a raw and vulnerable process. What led you to want to share your life in this way through this memoir? You know, when I was at uh, my absolute, you know, worst, basically uh, a couple of days into realizing I was getting divorced and I had just lost my husband, my home and my job. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I really felt totally lost and sad. Um, I just wanted to believe that I would feel better one day that I would end up on the other side of this happier and stronger and grateful that in a way that, that it had happened and that I would had got, moved on and create a new life. And I wanted to find a book. I went into the bookstore, went into the self-help section and every book just looked sad and depressing and it wasn't something I wanted to read. And I, as, so as I started, you know, going through this, I realized I want to write that book one day. I want to write the book that shows you will end up happier and braver and stronger. And there is a version of you waiting on the other end of this hardship that you cannot even imagine how beautiful it's going to be. So would you say that everything that you've been through heretofore has made you into who you are today and that you're thankful for even the lowest parts of your journey. And I say that exact thing all the time, like without the lowest parts, you wouldn't have the highs, you know, like you need that contrast without experiencing moments of insane pain and, you know, deep darkness. Those moments 
are what pays contrast then to these joyful light moments and allow you to feel so much happiness because there have been moments where you have felt so much darkness. You need those contrasts in your life. And, and all of that made me into who I am for sure. That's amazing. So I'm wondering from a writing perspective, how do you start this process as, as a memoirist? Do you begin chronologically? How do you put pen to paper to some of your most intimate life stories? Cause that's gotta be really difficult. It, it is very difficult. Um, I really, I've been writing this book kind of for four years and a lot of it that I started writing was really just me writing it down for me to process my own feelings. Uh, I, I've kept journals, handwritten journals since I was a kid and writing for me has always been a way to really understand and process how I feel and what I'm thinking. And so a lot of it actually began like that. It really, it didn't even begin as like, I'm writing a book and I have to start at the beginning. I, I don't remember where I started, but I, I just started with how I felt. I started with what I was processing with beautiful memories, with hard memories. Uh, I, I basically just wrote every day from a different place. And then you kind of figure out how it all goes together and ends up a book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was in the press materials that I read that you went on a journey of rediscovering the magic that was always inside you. So magic is a big theme throughout this book. And of course it shows up in the title. It has to do with your ex-husband who was a magician. I, I really love this thematic element of the book and the dedication page of the book is even for anyone who has ever felt invisible and needs to find their own magic. So why did you choose to use this theme of magic so broadly throughout the pages? Well, it was basically something that, you know, the, the word magic was associated with my job in life as a magician's assistant. And I was sort of thrown into this magic world. Uh, and it became at first was really fun. And, you know, it was something I was trying to just look at all the perks of, but eventually became quite, uh, quite a restraint. You know, I, I say I stepped into this world with open arms and didn't really realize I was, it came with metaphorical handcuffs and, mm -hmm when my relationship starts to really be able, you know, you know, really starts to be something that I have to step away from in order to grow. Uh, I basically found a new meaning for, for that word. And instead of being something that could only mean one thing and kind of put me in a box, um, I start to realize like, what is my, what does my own magic look like, you know, and, and build my own life based on, my passions, my strengths, my own power. Like I think for all of us, that is our own magic. And when we believe in it and, you know, believe in ourselves, it leads to amazing things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have done so much in your life. You moved abroad to Paris, which we'll talk about more in a moment. And that's where you currently live. You have traveled to 83 countries around the globe and probably more than that since the book has been written and started a business. You've obviously written a book, so much more. So how do you find the energy and the courage to live your life so boldly like this? Because it's really inspiring to me. A lot of, um, well, thank you. That's very, very kind. Um, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that it, for many years, my life was sort of not something I really had much control over. Um, you know, you, you see in the book, I kind of trade away a lot of my ability to 
choose where I live, where I am, what I'm doing. And I'm mostly living my life for someone else, um, you know, for my relationship. And so when, when that ended and I had to create basically an entirely new life because I no longer had this person in my life who I had kind of created my whole adult identity and, you know, life around, I was mm -hmm. back at, at this drawing board. And, and when I started doing it at first, it was very scary. And then it became so thrilling to, to realize like I had control again, I could do anything and I could, I could trust these passions that I had. I could trust these strengths I, that I had identified and I could then take, you know, my own life and my own magic and go build and that kind of freedom to arrive at an age that I finally was, you know, str strong enough and who I was to go, to go for it. Then I almost like, you know, couldn't stop. It was like, now that I have the freedom back to do things, what else can I do? What else can I try? And, and it, you know, I say it was almost kind of scary how quickly things started falling into place once I started going for them. But I had just spent so long afraid to go for it or not able to go for it. That's amazing. And, you know, back to the magic theme, though your life from the outside looking in looked incredibly charmed, you began to realize that as you write in the book, the perfection was an illusion. You felt invisible in your own life. You were in the wrong marriage, which eventually ended, which you write in the book you eventually became grateful for, though maybe not so much at the time. So how do you take an ending as painful as that and reframe it as an opportunity to begin anew? Well, I think that, you know, we, we all encounter various hardships in our life and, you know, maybe it's not your relationship or your marriage ending, but it's, you know, a, a job you lost or a job you didn't get, or, you know, some, something that happens, we all have these things that, and that we don't feel like we're ready for them to end. But I'm a big believer in that the things that don't work out for us were never really meant to be for us then anyway. But you know, mm -hmm. the things we're really meant for, the things we're really truly passionate about and and pursue, you know, regardless of how impractical they seem, that like those are the things that will prevail, they will work out. And sometimes these these endings, these doors closings, these these losses are really gains. And they're, they're lessons we need to learn and things we need to overcome and hardships we need to face in order to have, you know, to find strength that we didn't know existed or to be forced to create the life that we want because the the life we're living in complacent in isn't making us happy. You know, they're they're hard and it's awful, but they're also, you can look at it as an opportunity. And I, I started to look at my marriage ending as an opportunity to go create the life I wanted instead of a life that I was really deeply unhappy with, but trying to convince myself otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's it. And I wasn't planning on asking this question, but I will. I think, don't, wouldn't you say that even though obviously this ending of the marriage was incredibly painful for you and you write about that extensively in the book didn't you know that it probably needed to end, even if maybe you didn't accept it or want it to be that way, but you knew that it was right and it was still painful, but you knew that it was the right thing, even when it was happening. If that, does that make any sense? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I even knew, I think, you know, if you, you know, you've read it and, you know, when people, if they do read it, I, I think I knew about a year before it ended that it needed to end, but mm -hmm. it just, 
it's really hard. It's a really hard thing for all of us to accept, whether whether you're married or not. Like we we get in a relationship, it's what we know, we're comfortable, we we love this person, we create memories with this person, we're our friends, we we share friends, we share family, we share things. And then the thought of that ending, it just becomes you know insurmountable to us. So we think, well, how could I ever how could that ever happen? I could never go on. I what would I do? How would I be okay? And and those were my thoughts. So even though it was very clear that this relationship was not serving me and was not going to really stand the test of time, I was so committed to believing otherwise. Mm-hmm. And and it really took time for me to really accept that this wasn't what I needed and to realize that I had the strength inside me. I had the power inside me to to make it on my own, to leave something that wasn't right and that it it would only get better. We're convinced that everything's, our, our world is over, our life is over when a relationship ends, but actually it's just the beginning of something new that you only have the opportunity to say, now I get to do it better. Now I can take what I've learned and and make something that I love even more, that makes me happy where the other thing didn't. It it's It's an opportunity. We just have to frame it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what would you tell someone who is currently in a situation like you were feeling lost, trying to find her voice her, or his or his or her place in the world, trying to believe in their own magic? What would you tell someone who, you know, maybe is where you were right, you know, right before your marriage ultimately ended and or right after it ended? Just that moment of feeling lost and they can't see what you see now. They, they're they not there yet and they don't even know how to get there. What would you say to them in that moment? No, I would say that that it's that's such a normal place to be. Um, and I think what you really have to do is, is tune into everything you're trying to tune out. Because I was in this place of trying to tell myself I have no right to be unhappy. I was I was invalidating my own feelings. Um, I was, you know, telling myself what I wanted was selfish, and I had no right to to feel unhappy. And I should just be able to get through everything on my own. I didn't I, I didn't want to inconvenience anyone and ask for help. I didn't was afraid to tell people what was really going on because I didn't feel like my problems were real enough. And what you really need to do is just get rid of all of these shoulds and woulds and and coulds and really just listen to yourself, validate your own feelings. And I did a lot of that by writing, you know, a lot of this book, I actually started writing four or five years ago, just writing down my feelings. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big proponent for therapy. I, I found a therapist who was amazing, who I could finally say everything to. And that helps me realize a lot of what I was actually processing it's really easy to just go through the motions of our day and not actually let ourselves feel anything and try to, you know, gaslight ourselves away from what we're, you know, what our emotions are, but you, you have to lean into it. You have to lean into the weaknesses, the sadness, the strength. You have to really get to know yourself and that helps you define what do you really need? Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's easy to just get lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like many of us have felt this way as you write in the book, I write, excuse me, I built my entire life and identity around my ex-husband. So when he left my home, my job and my confidence vanished with him. I was convinced I could be nothing without him, could do nothing without him. And I carried so much shame that my marriage was over. 
I knew that eventually everyone had to find out, but I didn't want to be the one to have to explain it. How could I answer the question, what happened when I didn't really understand myself? All I knew was that in the eyes of the world, I had failed at the most important thing to succeed in. And people would talk about it in sad, hushed tones. Did you hear what happened to Anna? So, you know, you kind of already answered this, but any other advice you'd give to someone in a similar situation that's just going through a devastating divorce or breakup and they have to maybe wrap their whole identity around the other person and they not only have they lost the other person, but they in the midst of that marriage or that relationship lost themselves too. So they're trying to, you know, not only get over losing one person, but trying to find themselves that they lost as well. If that makes sense. I know you've kind of already touched on this, but anything else you'd say to someone? I know I, I, I say in my book, I, I say the biggest, I I was of course very upset. And I think anyone is you're, you're dealing with the loss of, of a husband or a partner, but so many of us are actually, we've lost ourselves and that, that I missed me. Like I didn't miss my ex-husband in those early days. Cause I knew that the relationship ending was right. But what I missed so deeply was myself because mm-hmm. I realized how much of me I had traded away and how much of me was just totally not even me anymore. And I wasn't even sure if I would be able to, to find that person. And, and the reality is, is you never exactly become who you once were again, but you become this like new and improved 2.0 version, you know, like right. you will become this like stronger, wiser, braver, like what those sort of challenges end up doing for you when you do just lean into the feelings, they create this you that you never even realized you could be. And that that is so beautiful and it it changes it changes everything for you but you know one of the things i did first that uh, you know I, I i really like sat down and identified what my dreams were and i made this sort of like i, I talk about in the book i made this bucket list of of things i had want that i wanted to do still and it was based off a bucket list that i had made at 20 and mm-hmm. i i looked at my life and i was like my life looks really different now i think it's time for a new bucket list And as I made this list, like my passions poured out of me, my dreams poured out of me. Like I was reminded of myself and what I love and, and, and who I am. And then I looked at this list and realized so many of these things would have never been feasible in that relationship that I just lost, but now I had control again and I could go for them. And, and that's advice I give to everyone is like, make this bucket list and then start doing the things, you know, pick up a new hobby, like these things you wanted to do, go for them. And it's it's really empowering when you do because you start to realize that you have the ability to, to go after dreams that you that you had put on hold or traded away. And you get this new opportunity to create happiness in the way that you want to without having to compromise anything. And it's in so many ways like an enormous gift. Well, I assume that one of one of our many things that ended up on the bucket list were travel because travel is so important to your life. What has travel meant to your life and how has it shaped you? It is something that I identified at, you know, around 18 that just like truly shook my soul and like lit my heart on fire to to just be somewhere where I didn't know where I was and nothing was familiar. And so I started chasing that and 
it has totally shaped me and changed me because it, it's, it's what really has made me grow. Um, it's taught me so much about myself. I've done a lot of traveling on my own and it gives you insane. It's given me insane confidence. It's identified things that I love that I would have never known I loved because I would have never stumbled upon those things. It has created relationships with people all over the world. Um, it has challenged me in so many ways that I would have never otherwise been challenged and it's something that I have realized is like almost sacred to me at this point. And, and I, uh, you know, it's, it's when I grow, like when I, when I have these ability to go somewhere new and learn and put myself in an unusual situation is, is usually when the most beautiful things result. Absolutely. Well, you eventually settled on Paris, which is where you reside now, as we said earlier in the show, I too am madly in love with Paris. I, I left my heart in Paris last July and I've never gotten it back since. And so what is it about the city that you adore? You know, for me, I just find it very inspiring. Um, I I think it's obviously architecturally wise, beautiful, uh, but it it feels like you're stepping back in time. And, and there's a lot of ways in which the city is modern and progressing, but in so many ways, the history that, that has happened here is is a part of the city forever, no matter you know what year it is. And there are you're just constantly surrounded by stories and by beauty and by things that I as a, as a writer and you know a, a visual creator find just endlessly fascinating and and romantic and and beautiful. And I've lived here three and a half years, and every day I learn something new. Just yesterday mm-hmm. I. I, you know, I, I took a tour that, uh, of the, uh, Ile de la Cité and I learned all these new facts that I would have never known. And I just was like, I was amazed. And, and that sort of, for me, like being in a place where I can constantly be challenged is really important to me. And, uh, Paris does that to me every day. It challenges me, but it also just fills me with inspiration. And I think that place looks different for everybody. Um, but part of it is, is figuring out where that is for you what what environment really feeds you and challenges you and and inspires you so you've lived there for three and a half years what is a non-touristy spot in the city that everybody should know about oh uh the big charmant although french would hate me for sharing it because it's uh-huh. what it's is a that beautiful, um it's a park and it is most of the gardens in France, like the Tuileries and the Luxembourg, they're beautiful, but they're French style gardens. So they're very orderly. And like, you honestly, like you can't even sit on the grass. It's, it's not allowed, you know, they're more for like walking and showing off. Um, but this park is like this beautiful green space and uh, it's in a very, you know, locals only neighborhood. So tourists rarely get out there, but it's just kind of, you know, I guess more like wild and it's where you really only see locals and dogs and it's a beautiful area and uh you know to go spend a day there and and have a picnic or just stroll is really like the little slice of real Paris life that mm-hmm. uh you would miss completely if if you if you avoided it. 
Well, you wrote, then thank you for that, by the way. I, the next time I go to Paris, I will be checking that <laughs> out for sure. Hopefully I will be in Paris sooner rather than later, but you wrote that you went somewhere with nothing and built a beautiful life. So how does one start over? What do you wish you knew then that you knew now? Cause I've started over as well. And I know that it can be very scary, but it can also be incredibly liberating and, and beautiful. So how did, how does one start over? You know, what's, what's amazing is when you do, when you are forced to start over and, and the reason I loved starting over in a place where I knew no one and had nothing um, is you intentionally, instead of going through the motions of your day-to-day of the life you knew, you're, that kind of all, you know, crumbles and you're back at the ground and just the foundation and you have to build again. And you're very intentional about each thing you choose. And so, you know, down to like, how am I waking up? What's the first thing I do? You know, how does my day look? How am I crafting it? Where am I spending my free time? What are my priorities? And you you get to kind of revisit everything and rebuild a life that can be completely different from the old one. You don't have to go through those old motions anymore. It forces you to be really intentional about everything. And for me, that happened at age 30. So, you know, I knew a lot more about myself at 30 than I did when I started building a life with someone at 19. And I didn't have those priorities in place Mm -hmm. to say, you know, this must be a part of my day. My, this is me. This fills me with joy. This is, this is essential to, to who I am. I didn't know that yet at 19, where I knew that at 30. So when I started building my life here, it, it was so beautiful to do it in this way of like, I'm in a, intentionally choose each aspect of this life. And, and again, like I consider that a a huge gift. It's daunting and it takes a while. You're not going to build it overnight, but the net result is like, wow, this is beautiful. And you're very fulfilled with what you've chosen because you chose it slowly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I also want to mention here that Amanda Klutz is your sister and Nick Cordero is your brother-in-law. We all fell in love with both of them as Nick tragically battled COVID-19. So you, Nick makes a brief mention in the book. What did you learn from Nick about how to live life and Amanda as well? You know, Nick was a just such an amazing person. Um, and he said something to me on on my worst day of, you know, the, the day that this that my realized my marriage was going to fall apart. And I was over at their apartment because I came up there to sleep and I had just been crying, sobbing all day. And before we went to bed, he came, gave me a big hug. And he said, Annie, best day ever. And he had this big smile on his face. And so I thought he was, you know, kind of being sarcastic and let out this like pathetic laugh, like, ah. and he was like, I mean it, Annie. He was, he was, you know, that, that relationship was holding you back. And you get to live your own life now. And I can't wait to see what you do with it. And he reminded me that like, yeah, I, uh, he, he saw in me what I wasn't able to see in myself at that moment, that like I was strong and I was capable and I could go do amazing things. And the fact that now I had my freedom back to go do that, that I no longer had to compromise away things for someone else was actually an amazing thing, not a, not a horrific thing. And he, you know, he reminded me of like, anytime you think this day is awful, like this thing just came crashing down or I didn't get that thing I wanted, or this didn't work out. 
you know, I now at so many of those times go, I'm going to look back one day and say, best day ever, <laughs> you know, best day ever that I've been that job or best day ever that, you know, that apartment isn't the one I ended up getting. Like, we want to always assume that it's the worst and it's the end and it's, you know, how could this have happened to me? But, you know, Nick really taught me to like, look at it as an opportunity. Like there will be a day where you go back and say, thank goodness this happened. And I do that day is now the day I look back at as like, that's the day I regained control of my life and started building the one I always wanted. Well, and not only have you just kept those lessons within yourself, you're sharing them with the masses. And so all of us can benefit from best day ever. And so thank you for that. Yeah. That's brave. That's so brave. And my last question for you, it's been a, such a treat having you with me. And I've just, the book has, has meant a lot to me and books always show up at the right time. And this, this book is fantastic. What do you hope readers take away from the book? I hope the takeaway is truly that you are so much more than you see in yourself. You're capable of so much more than you believe you are. And you got to tap into that <laughs> because once you do, you become unstoppable. And it's it's so easy to to gaslight ourselves. It's so easy to not trust in ourselves, to not believe in ourselves. But when you do, it, it absolutely is magic. And it becomes something that you can use to really build the life of your dreams. And that is what I hope people can see. And, you know, the reason that the book, if if you have it, is has that like reflective writing in the My Own Magic because I want people to see a version of themselves in this story. I want them to see their own magic when they look at the words My Own Magic and, and find that and then use it. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to close with this passage from the book. You once said in a group that you wanted to be magic and someone responded to you, you already are magic. You're married to magic. And you replied, no, I am my own magic. That is so powerful. Anna, thank you so much for this book and this conversation. The book is my, yes, the book is my own magic, a reappearing act. It's out May 16th. I am so thankful for your time. Thank you. I'm so thankful for yours. Thank you, Anna, for this raw and real book and this vulnerable conversation. My Own Magic, A Reappearing Act is out May 16th. Okay, I'm going to keep this short and sweet and to the point and not ramble. As we mentioned on the last episode, today is our season seven finale. And because of my new job, I'm going to take a bit of a hiatus from I'd rather be reading. This is not goodbye because I love this show too much for it to ever be that. So before I get too emotionally in the weeds, I want to say that this is a pause and thank you to all of my incredible guests, listeners, and the show's number one fan from day one, my mom, Joy, whose birthday is this week. This show has been my passion project for two years, and I have enjoyed reading with you and learning with you that entire time. Reach out to me anytime at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com and know how much each of you mean to me. Talk soon. Talk soon.